0: Hello and welcome to the award-winning Canine Hoopers World podcast, everyone's invited. Hello everybody and welcome to season three, episode 39 of Canine Hoopers World, the podcast. This is a little bit of a Christmas edition. We are going to be talking about some seasonal stuff, some prep that you might want to do and some other things. We're also going to be talking about when dog trainers get puppies and their expectations of what they're going to get and then what actually happens and what hell we've brought ourselves into and also changing up the businesses and stuff like that i'm joined today by my dog training dictionary co-host the fabulous wonderful northern mr greg hello hello how are you doing i'm all right. i just thought i'd warn everyone that like the accent's gonna be a bit weird yeah yeah cheers
1: for that um can you do subtitles on podcasts i <laughs> <laughs> have to like do a script so people can yeah yeah like <laughs> google translate
0: um Fun story, when we were out in the States a few weeks ago, um, we were actually listening to um, podcasts that I love, uh, Shag Married, Annoyed, which is with Chris sorry, and Rosie Ramsey. Great podcast, if you haven't listened to it, it's hilarious. But our American friends were literally like, what are they saying?
1: <laughs> and, they, and they're more
0: Northern than me. They're like... like yeah, proper. You're proper still white. proper Northern, as far as I'm concerned. Like, you're still proper Northern. Remember, Milton Keynes, North.
1: Yeah, what for gap, isn't it? That's a line, isn't it? That's that's like proper enough. <laughs> it's like <that> the wall.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's how we're working it. So, Mr. Greg, we haven't spoken for ages. Um Good. You've been very, very busy. There's been lots of things happening. Um we've been a little bit delayed with releasing the new series of Dog Train Dictionary because you've been busy with other projects and getting a puppy.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's nothing to derail a podcast like getting a puppy, to be honest. That was uh that's pretty much been the biggest culture <laughs> shock to uh to my life as well as the business stuff. But yeah, he's uh yeah, God. It, it shows you how bad it is because he's now seven and a half months old. And so that's how much of a derailment we've had with dog training dictionary. So my huge apologies to those listeners and yourself, because I know there's many a times you've tried to pin me down in there. I've been sorry, kind of cleaning up poo and my dogs chewing stuff and all, all of all the lovely things puppies like to do. So, in
0: all honesty, because this was this was planned and you did all your research and you found a good breeder and did all the good stuff and all the correct stuff. And you know, we know that we are pro-good breeder here at Canine 9 Hoopers World. Um, were you prepared?
1: Do do you know what? It was it was really interesting. So Were we prepared? Yes, absolutely. So we did, um, to try and bring it to life a little bit for people. So we we found the breeder, we found the dog, all that good stuff. Um, We set the house up literally weeks in advance. So we rearranged all the furniture, the crates, the exercise pen came out. All his toys that were going to be his were in the exercise pen. So basically at the time I had two German Shepherds. They had plenty of times to adjust. I, me, and the wife had time to adjust to the new house layout and all that good stuff. There was lino on top of the existing floor, kind of around the pen. You know all the things that I'd encourage anybody to do. Um, so we were we were absolutely fully prepared for pup coming. Um, we did have a bit of a tragedy with my older shep. We lost him three weeks after uh, Axel, the the new pup, came to join us. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit of a um, a bit of a derailment we we knew obviously he was older and he, he wasn't in the best health but things happening in quite quick succession obviously mm-hmm. you can't account for it. it definitely made things a little bit more emotionally tolling i think more than anything else um and, and betty Boo, my my other german shepherd um she is she's amazing but she is very, very dog selective with, with who she likes. Integrations <laughs> take a long time for her mm-hmm. to make friends. She is, you know, the, the princess of control and management. So we, we kind of set ourselves up for a good six months, really, of trying to integrate new puppy in with Betty, to be honest. Um, so we 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 did the prep. The prep was amazing, and I can only... Imagine how bad things would be if I hadn't prepped because mm-hmm. even with all the best prep in the world, it's a puppy and puppies just suck time, energy, effort, everything every ounce of it you've got they're going to take it from you. And for all the right reasons, I don't want to kind of put people off, but it's <laughs> as, as, as a dog trainer, you, you kind of and I'm sure you'll empathize with this guy because I know you've been in there, but it's when you you you, you, i I teach puppy classes um so you're talking to puppy owners you know you can see the frazzled hair and the bags under their eyes and you know and and trying to do that positive don't worry it's fine and it's all great and you've got this and then living it again i say again technically for me it's really my first time because my um kind of first dog as an adult um, he came from a rescue center and he was about three months old. So he was a youngster. He was definitely still technically a puppy, but I never had that immediately from mum into new home type puppy journey. So technically for me, it was my first kind of uh, foray into that, you know, at my very young age of 21. Um, but he was, yeah, it is. It's just, it's all consuming. So it, it was lovely as a professional being able to kind of, almost have like a bit of an AA meeting with my puppy class clients and we're all sitting there kind of crying into our treat (laughs) pouch talking about like what have we done with our lives but no honestly it's we were prepared uh, in terms of everything you can do to prepare in terms of physical changes to the house preparation of kit and equipment and and talking yourself into some of the routine changes that you're going to have to do so you know like for example, I slept on the couch, for the well, myself and my wife We kind of tag-teamed it a little bit, but we had a couple of days each kind of sleeping on the sofa, two-hour toilet breaks, 24-7, that kind of thing to help with the toilet training.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But we kind of knew that was going to happen. We knew it was going to be a thing, but then physically doing it is a different kettle of fish. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's the bit that unravels people pretty quickly because it is just as i mentioned it's just all consuming and I, and I think you forget just how on it you've got to be more so than i I'm, might upset a few people i don't have kids but i know <laughs> i know many people with them and you know good friends family etc and there's times when that thing sleeps the two-legged version and they kind of even when they wake up they kind of can't do a lot You know, they're they're fairly immobile, and if you've set their environment up, whether that's in a crib or a cot or whatever it might be, other than the noise and making sure that they've got safe spaces, you know, between the baby and the sides and all that kind of stuff, you've got, like, a moment to compose yourself and then go and, obviously, get baby and do that kind of thing. With a puppy, you don't have that. With a puppy, they are moving. They are, you know, they are effectively walking. They are biting. They... (laughs) climbing they do stuff from the minute they come in your house so they are a much more active versatile version of a human baby which means that when they are awake the the active supervision you need is immense and mm-hmm. i think many of us forget just how active that supervision is because i always joke you know a quiet puppy up to something and it's it's exactly that and not anything negative they're a dog they're going to explore the world they're going to do the things that they like to do and trying to figure stuff out but for a human perspective it can be yeah a bit like herding cats <laughs> anyway I, I didn't come here to to do a bit of a hi i'm greg and i'm a puppy owner and i'm i'm ai I'm a recovering <laughs> kind of whatever it might be but it's uh it's it certainly i i, you know I massively what? underestimated I the up the kind of upside downness of my life for the first six months
0: but as much as you say like you know that i've been there I haven't really been there recently. The last time I did proper baby puppy was 10 years ago. Because Dodge arrived at 17 weeks. Yeah. He was house trained. He knew how to wear a harness. He traveled in the vehicle. He knew how to sleep in a crate. Like He knew how to poop outside. Kind of the big major bits were already ticked off thanks to the lovely people that had him before me. So I'm kind of like... Yeah, you forget, like, how hard. I can actually remember, so, Minks, homebred, um, Chica's puppy. I can remember turning around to my mum when I think the babies must have been, Minx and Angel were probably about six weeks old, and I remember turning around to my mum and going, "If this for children, like, I'm never having them.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of stuck by that. Um, But I think I went to the real extreme of, like, we... You know, we we re-homed Munchkin, she was probably only about six, seven weeks when we got her because she'd been taken away from mum way too early. Chica was 14 weeks when I got her. Um, Chihuahuas tend to go a little bit later to homes. Um, I don't know how much science there is behind it, but it's allegedly to do with blood glucose levels and I'm not fully buying it. Anyway, we will not get into that debate. So Chica was 14 weeks, Munch was baby, baby, like six, seven weeks. But Chica kind of stepped in and was like mama dog a lot, which was really cool. Then obviously having the litter and going from day zero and all the nightmares of breeding. And I would never, that's not a thing because it's bloody hard work. Then going on to that and deciding that we were keeping one, Angel went off to her high Mink stayed with us. I think because I'd already done that very first eight weeks, the next eight weeks just seemed really easy. Yeah. <laughs> because I'd already done that bit. And I was like, oh my God, what have we done? But, you know, also the advantage of chihuahuas is they're pretty easy to kind of pick up and move around with consent because Minks made it very clear at three weeks old that if I picked her up and she wasn't happy about it, she was going to growl at me and tell me. Um, but I think also... Larger breed puppies are in ways trickier because it's harder to kind of things with socializing with the sort of medium-sized breeds and smaller breeds. You can put them in puppy carriers and take them around for socialization so they're not on the floor, but they're still seeing sights and smiles. When you're talking bigger puppies, that stuff can be a bit harder, can't it? Because it's not always practical or good for your back to be lugging them around especially once they start getting a bit of heft on them
1: yeah 100 percent. i mean a couple of things for so axel for those who don't know is a golden retriever um he there was a couple of things for us our breeder actually kept him till he was 10 weeks for us just because of the way our life was mm-hmm. and to be honest i personally think that was a hell of a making for him i think those extra two weeks Um, he actually had a week on his own with mum so he had one of his siblings uh, for the 11th week Uh, sorry for the 9th week sorry Um, most of his siblings went in 8 weeks Um, he came from quite a busy household with children who were making lots of noise and kicking footballs around and stuff so I think that 10 week socialisation period and that gradual separation from his siblings honestly I think was a godsend for us because as much as I joke about kind of the intensity of it, we got lucky in terms of how easy he's been compared to what <clears> some <throat> people go through with puppies. Like, he's not been a, he's not been like a biter. He's not been a, you know, a destroyer. He's, you know, and I think some of that comes down to his breed. Some of it comes down to his personality. Some of it, I think, comes down to his age when he kind of left mom and stuff like that, which is really, really good. But we were really fortunate as well as I actually had a dog boogie from when we had our Cavalier King Charles Spaniels who, when they got older, as as a lot of cavities do, developed various levels of heart disease. Um, so to help them explore the world when they were older, we I did that thing I said i never do as a six foot eighteen store ball block and get and get a dog stroller. Um, I mean, to
0: be fair, we had one for Tizer as well and dale being big burly tattooed
1: builder pushing the dog body around yep to be fair uh, and and with all love and respect to my wife chick magnet put a dog in a (laughs) buggy my goodness wow it's um i'm I'm, you know i'm sorry very very crude element there but it's it was quite (laughs) funny but again then put a puppy in that carrier and head to the local park my goodness um, but it was brilliant, so I was able to kind of go out with him without the the back ache and that because he was, for all he is actually, ironically quite little now for for the for the breed he is. As a puppy, he was huge. He mm-hmm. he was a, he was a chunk of a pup, um, and I was expecting him to kind of grow into a bit of bit more of a bruiser of a, a retriever. He's but still he,
0: got time. He's only a he baby. Still has. He yeah. has. He,
1: I think he's. I think he's like his dad. I think he's a late developer. It's. um <laughs> but He's well, well, hang on, human or canine, human, human, okay, yeah, definitely. human. Whoa. yeah, it's um, but um, yeah, so so that was again in terms of that preparation, you know, we we accounted for that. We had the boogie already, we didn't get rid of it, and we were like, perfect, because I can pop him in, we can go for walks, he can experience the world, we can do some socialization stuff without um, my, my wife's got a few medical conditions, which basically means carrying him wasn't really an option for her, mm-hmm. so it was. It was the perfect halfway house to to give him that ability to get out and about, you know, pre jabs and everything else. But actually without that burden of trying to carry him or dog sling him or things like that where, you know, he was a few hefty kilo and like you say, twenty minutes of that hanging around your back, you'd you'd definitely know about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've kind of I'm I'm laughing because you're about to hit the rockiness of adolescence and I'm like <laughs>
1: what do you mean about you oh it <laughs> it's here! it's <laughs> it started <laughs>
0: um but this is the thing isn't it because there's the period where they're super cute and like you're sleep deprived but they're still really cute and then they go through the kind of for one of a better phrase the fugly stage where like they just are um and then they start hitting teenage like properly. And you're just like, oh, cool. I'm really glad I put all those months in of name reflex and eye contact and recall and loosely walking. And it's like, I didn't bother doing any of that
1: because. Oh, wait, oh fuck. Yeah, yeah, you can see it. I, I loved uh, Mr. Hobbs's cork bottle uh, analogy on, on the episode that you had with Lee. Um, because it, it is exactly like that. Like, he, he's. The one thing we've worked a lot on, again, I feel like I'm preaching a bit from Lee's handbook here, but like his recall, we we worked on that so hard and it was, and it still is dynamite. Like he's absolutely brilliant. The other day he recalled off a pheasant mid-flight as he scared it in the bush and that kind of thing. And I'm like, absolutely, you know, proud dad moment of, oh my God, like, look at that. He's just turned on a dime and ran straight back to me. But what you start to see is that that evolution of his brain and his body and he's starting to get a little bit more independent a little bit more self-confident and he has those little at the moment it's split seconds but i know very soon it will be seconds and then it'll be a complete just not listening <laughs> and it, it's those moments where you can see him going i'm just gonna quickly check there's nothing better on offer before i actually do the thing that you've asked me to do uh-huh. and it's, again, obviously the privilege of being a, a dog trainer. I can start to see that. and know I've already had the conversation with Helen, my wife, to say, I think it's going to be long line time soon because he's getting to that point now where there's amazing and that wonderful false sense of security he's, he's led us all into over the last seven months of his recall is amazing. We're getting to that point now where he's going to start to make some teenage decisions that are, are going to end up either undoing a lot of our hard work or, you know, obviously not turning out too well for him when he runs off into the woods after a deer or whatever he decides to do as a bit of a... Yeah, or decides to go running
0: over to the wrong park and gets Rollet for it, yeah.
1: And and I think that's the the hard bit as a human, I think, because, as you've said, you invested all this time, effort, you know, like all of us do. He went to three different sets of puppy classes, like, because it'd be... um, remiss of me just to say i'm a cocky dog trainer and i know it all and therefore i'm going to teach him everything because there's a lot more to a puppy class experience than just the actual practical skills you learn you know there is a traveling in the car there's the different environments and all that kind of stuff so we we did three different um puppy classes with him we you know we did that thing of all enthusiastic new puppy parents do you know we invested time effort money and everything into trying to set off on the best possible way we could Mm -hmm. and it can be really soul destroying when your dog does start to hit that six seven eight month phase and almost just throw it back in your face and go it's it's basically two fingers up and it it absolutely is yeah they go you know they go a bit deaf they don't want to listen and don't get me wrong we've all been there as humans and done it it just it hits a bit quicker with the dogs, and mm-hmm. you don't get that build up over, you know, 10, 12, 13, 14 years or whatever. You get it literally within perfect puppy, lovely loose lead work, amazing recall, really attentive. And then almost overnight, they just go, No, nah, fingers to you. There's other smells and other furry animals and pretty ladies and all these kind of things in the world, and I'm off. Mm-hmm. And it And because of the duration of adolescence, obviously, I fully get, you know, why people find it so hard. I can, he, hand on heart, he absolutely frustrates me. I I say it in class to clients. I'm like, and there's nothing wrong with being frustrated, you know, it's a Mm -hmm. human natural emotion when things are not going right. The the key that I always say to all my clients is just remember that when you're frustrated and you're getting that frustration off your chest in whatever manner you do it, and hopefully one that isn't directed towards the dog, you're not teaching. So after you've had your little grr and gritted teeth and maybe a few words. Your little for fuck's sake moment. Yeah, yeah you then got to go back to the teaching board because it is all going there. It is resonating in the back of the brain somewhere. Even if they're not actively demonstrating it to you, it's still teaching, it's still learning, it's still guiding, You're still doing all the things you should be. You've just got to ride the adolescent storm. But sadly, it goes on longer than puppyhood. And I think that's what a lot of people lose a lot of heart with because you know, the three or four weeks of dog with needle teeth trying to tear your Achilles tendon out is horrible, but Six months of your dog wanting to bark at anything and everything just because it can, that takes a different level at all. So I'm
0: only six months, <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: so I'm like, excuse me, I say, um, you, you've got to can share because it, it's um, but it, it's really again just try and bring it to life. It's recently been bonfire night, fireworks, he's mm-hmm. been amazing with Good. fireworks, and we were like, oh my god, you know, it's. All that loud rock music I played to him since he came into the house has clearly worked. We've done loads of desensitisation. It's amazing, and all the nights leading up to to the fifth, he was doing fantastic. Like a lot of places, there was lots of fireworks being let off a lot earlier than the fifth, Uh and he was doing brilliant. And again, false sense of security. So he went out. My dogs eat their dinner in the garage, so they've been out in the garage had the tea. Came back in the house, and then he was like, I want to go out to the toilet, so fab. And I was like, it's bonfire night. I'll go into the garden with him. I'll give him a bit of moral support, you know. And went out in, and literally, as that particular law dictates, a firework went off literally over our garden within about 30 seconds of us being outside. And he absolutely packed himself.
0: Um... And
1: all that amazing kind of confidence that he had and that nonchalant attitude to all those bangs literally just went instantly and he started back in the house he didn't want a toilet and we spent the next week trying to very gradually rebuild a bit of that confidence up because he then got skittish to everything he got skittish to any noise it wasn't just the bangs it was anything that was above normal ambient volume he was getting a bit wary of at varying degrees yeah even his interaction with things in public so other people or the dogs push bikes joggers everything he just went very very skittish for about a week and it took a lot of time and effort to really help him through that stage and Mm -hmm. touch wood i think we're on the other side of it but you kind of forget that they're still young and they're still developing and events are going to happen that are going to derail your progress a little bit and Mm -hmm. you it's going to take as much if not more effort as it did as when they were really tiny puppies to to build that back up again and and I think that's it when everyone tells you are you are you prepared? Are you ready?" And it's like, yeah, you can be, but you're not <laughs> it's it's you're always gonna be on it. It's you know for me, I mean, it goes on throughout their life, but you know, excuse me, um a bit like yourself with Dutch, you know you kind of have that magic two stroke three year old kind of <laughs> goal in mind that hopefully one day around then it might start to mellow out and be a bit more predictable, but yeah. You've just got to remember just how much development in such a short space of time these little four-legged creatures are doing. And it's yeah. It's very easy to forget that. And mm-hmm. a lot of us do go into, to coin your phrase, that Disney mindset of having a a lovely, well-rounded dog very quickly who just slots into life and does everything I want them to do. And it and it's not. It it's there's constantly new experiences. This is his first winter. It's his first time he's had dark nights, it's the first time he's had Cold spells, it's the first time he's going to potentially have snow in his life. And you forget after seven months that these are all brand new first things for him still. And even when they are second time round, it's still relatively new in his world. Just because I've had 38 years on the planet, he's he's only had seven months. And I need to constantly remind myself of that.
0: Yeah, and I think as well, going back to the fireworks, it is really, really hard with the pups because You want to reassure them and you want to make sure that they're okay. And obviously, you know, if your dog is scared, do not ignore it, people. That's not a thing. You cannot reinforce fear. It's not a fucking thing. But there is a fine line, especially with puppies. If something happens like boom above their head when they're in the garden How you then react to it because if you go, Oh, bud, come here, it's all right, good puppy, that's cool. But if you go, Oh my god, I then they're gonna go, Whoa, now mum or dad's panicking, oh my god, there really is a reason to panic, and it's really hot because you've just watched your little baby floof get really scared. But you've got to kind of then be the adult, and this adult in business is not fun, we all know
1: this, yeah, it sucks, doesn't it?
0: (laughs) But the other night, um, actually, Dodge was outside and Exactly that. And Dodge has never been bothered. I remember because we got him in the November. Um, It was after fireworks. So then we had sort of a few booms over Christmas. But I'm rem- New Year's Eve was kind of our first fireworks with him. And I was like, right, how's, how's he going to be? And literally he slept next to the back door the whole night. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, so you're not bothered. So, you know, he's not bothered by Thunder. He's not bothered by you know bangs stuff like that there's shoots and stuff where we train quite often so that stuff has never affected him the only weather he doesn't like is hail um which i concur with him i was
1: gonna say yeah who does (laughs) um
0: i can actually remember training him once and a thunderstorm was coming in and i had the choice keep training or bail out because we're getting wet and i was like do you know what he's having a really fun time and he's having fun biting the toy and we're playing tuggy so i paired the thunder with an even better game of tuggy which i think really helped because the other day when the massive boom went off um one of us was it i was indoors with munch who's sedated and not having a good time of things and dodge ducked and went what the and Dale went? You're right, mate. Come on indoors. And I'm actually glad. Shit, this is going to be on record now. But I'm actually glad it was Dale outside with him, because I'm sure that the response was a lot calmer and a lot more suitable than if Mummy had been there. Because oh my God, Mummy's baby boy's had something happen. To <laughs> and I know that, like, I dog training confession, I'm pretty sure that Dale probably handled that better than I would have because, like. He does love him really, but <laughs> like he's just like, Yeah, well, he's like, he's fine. Whereas I would have been like, Oh my god, mommy's little it, soldier.
1: It is so hard, isn't it? And the thing is, the, the hard bit of this is there isn't just one rule of advice either because every dog is different. So, like with, with Axel, when this happened, what ended up for him, what worked for him, was me stood in the garden on the other side of the patio door, him inside the house. Mm-hmm. And getting some reassurance from me, taking the odd little bit of food, and he was kind of watching the sky and listening. And he could still hear, obviously, some of the other winds and bangs and stuff that were going on. But that kind of worked for him. So there was a little bit of calm reassurance. There wasn't a big, the oh my god, you know, my poor little baby boy thing. But <laughs> but also there wasn't the brush it off, it's nothing to worry about, kick you back indoors thing. And it yes. And, would that approach work with a different dog? Honestly, I don't know. It, but it, for Axel, the the first five minutes of my re- reaction to his reaction was absolutely, in my opinion, crucial to how do we build up from there to a point where, yeah. when was it? Yeah. Saturday, we were out, um, lovely woodland walk, and there was a shoot happening somewhere because you could hear the gunshots. Mm-hmm. And he would stop and he would like look in the direction of the sound and then I could recall him and we'd have a grip. Bit of party after the recall. Mm-hmm. So I knew he was then obviously sound aware, I think would be a best description mm-hmm. of it. But I wasn't seeing the flat ears, tuck tail kind of what I saw, obviously, the night of the fireworks. So he was a bit more what I'd call gun dog pause. You know, his ears were pricked forward. He had his little thinking paw up. He was kind of stood to attention and such. So I was like, mm-hmm. he's heard it. He's listened to it. He's clearly processing it. And then, but he was still. You know, open enough to listen to me and to do the recall and that great stuff. So it it's just so hard because a lot of us do want kind of nice, easy, crystal clear advice. But I think that's where it's really difficult for a lot of dog trainers because there's so many variables, and your dog's own personality is the biggest variable of all. It's what works for one doesn't work for another, and that that's what is really really difficult with it. I think the the, the key bit for for me with anyone it is just that you kind of look for what your dog needs regardless of what the event is it doesn't have to be fireworks it can be literally anything it's it's trying to understand where do you get that balance between providing reassurance providing safety if the opportunity is there to provide a bit of a learning experience but also not to almost overdo it or underdo it either because obviously like you say if you get a bit dramatic yourself then you've got two, you know, very heightened emotional responses to a situation. If you underplay it, you're not really kind of doing right by your dog because your dog's clearly had an emotional response to it and you're just brushing it off as nothing, you know, with that human mindset of they'll get over it, which again, isn't right either. So it's, it's such a delicate balance. And I think that's, as a lot of people will struggle with, with any young dog, puppy or adolescent.
0: Yeah. And with like, because obviously Christmas is imminent and then New Year's Eve and obviously New Year's Eve is always crazy, especially between the hours of basically five and five round here. That's what it feels like. It feels like you just have 12 hours of fireworks and you're like, can we not now? Um, Are you going to kind of do things any differently on nights where you know, might like on New Year's Eve where it's a lot more likely that there's going to be big booms? Is it going to be a case of, Try and get him out early, and then sort of limit how
1: much he's going out yeah. when it's darker, or it's, what? What are your thoughts? Again, I'm I'm trying to, I'm I'm planning, but not being kind of regimented with that plan either. So, we've already started simple things like kind of just playing taiko drums in the background, just helping him out with things like that. But I think when it comes to looking at future events like New Year's, where the chances of fireworks are going to be big again, is almost emulating a little bit like what we did. So we did all the things that we've talked about on previous podcasts, including the dog and Dictionary Fireworks episode where we went out during daylight. We had a good long walk in the afternoon. You know, he'd done everything he needed to. Um, it was just really about almost playing it by ear a little bit. But for me, it's almost emulating exactly what I did this time around. Mm-hmm. But now just being mindful of the fact that he may get spooked again.
0: And therefore,
1: yeah. how do I help manage that? So I think the amount of desensitization I do leading up to that kind of new year period will be probably a little bit more. You know, the techno drums are being played now, but they'll be played a little bit more kind of in advance of that session. Um, I'll feed him a bit earlier because the, the trap I fell into this time is I just fed him at normal time. We, 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 we had our usual kind of 7 p.m. tea time. We'd been out for a really big walk at about four or five o'clock in the afternoon when it was still daylight and everything else. So moving into New Year, it'll be a, right, actually, we'll probably modify feeding time a little bit better yeah. so I can try and get him for that post-food poop a little bit earlier, which yeah. means if anything, he might just need a wee and he can do a wee a lot quicker um, yeah. and that kind of thing. So I, there's definitely some learnings there. Yeah, but it's also not bit like what you mentioned before, try not to panic about it either, because yeah. I've seen some of his recovery already, which is amazing. It I don't want to rest on my laurels with that, but on the flip side, I don't want to then go into hypersensitive mode either. Yes. To be honest, what I'm more worried about is his love of retrieving stuff and having a Christmas tree.
0: With death. <laughs> I was just, oh my God, we just had some just telepathic moment.
1: Horrific. I was just
0: gonna say, is the playpen going to be around the
1: Christmas tree? I, I think it's going to be because he's he's always been a bit of a counter surfer. Ever since he was a puppy, when we got to meet him, he his favorite thing was being on his back legs, literally kind of scaling across the side of the pens and the walls and the welping pen and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> now he's bigger. Um, for example, I, I've actually been looking after a friend's dog for a few weeks, so I, I've not spent a huge amount of time at home recently. Um, and I fed him last night, the night before and after he'd been fed I picked up his slow-go balls popped them in the sink that's in the garage thinking right, out of his reach absolutely fine, it's a (laughs) deep metal sink and then all of a sudden he comes running out the garage carrying his ball again and I was like, how the hell have you got that? and Helen's like, oh yeah, he can reach it a sink now and I'm like fabulous, like he can you can climb in the sink. Wonderful, isn't that amazing news? It's like, so we've joked now that the our um, plate cupboard is now the axle cupboard because anything that is slightly delectable to Axel, whether that's from an edible perspective or from a destroying perspective, now seems to end up in the in the plate cupboard in the house, which is obviously one of the high cupboards that he can't reach, um, <laughs> and his his love of novelty. He Again, he's learned very well. He's trained me very well. That if I pick up stuff that I'm not meant to have, I get attention and I get to do a drop and then I get rewarded for a drop. So it's it's amazing just to go and pick stuff up. That slippers also, are the best ones.
0: don't forget, that's genetic as well.
1: It is. And he loves any So I, I try and redirect him to things. So he has his own set of slippers and shoes and stuff. So if you want to carry slippers and shoes, son, carry your own. Don't carry mine. I don't know why you want to carry mine in the stink. But anyway... But that's um, why, because they smell of you. Yeah, yeah. So it's I have to keep wearing the other ones a bit more, I think, to help him out. But yeah, I'm I'm very suddenly aware that there's going to be lots of potential ornaments and wreaths and Christmas decks. And all all I'm seeing now is he will just I, I vision of us having one of those trees that's only decorated from about the last two foot at the top of the tree. The rest of the tree will just be empty. And I'm fairly sure he'll still try and retrieve that to me. But um, that is definitely going to be going to be fun. And I imagine I am going to have to have a bit of a safety pen around it. I remember um, we
0: used to, you couldn't have baubles on the very bottom layer of the tree because young Mr. Tizer, God rest him, um, would either take them off the tree and eat them and chew them to pieces um, or would just rub against them and knock them off anyway. So like, you know, normally just on the bottom layer, like you put yeah, the prick yeah. ones that kind of that. Yeah, no, because they would just die. Um, little top tip: make sure that when you're putting up your decorations, that anything glass definitely does not go near the bottom of the tree.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah, it's that's, out-
0: that's a little top tip for people. If you do have glass ornaments and puppies, make sure they're not because the last thing you need is to be rushing to the vets over the Christmas holiday because your puppy's got glass in their mouth. Because they've decided a ball ball and a ball, because you know they're kind of similar. similar. And they're once, spherical. obviously, going
1: to be sparkly and stuff if it's in your house, so it's definitely going to be advertising, isn't it? It's, yeah. it you know.
0: The,
1: I mean, we used to have that with the when we had the cavaliers because their little fluffy wooshy tails would knock. Yes, it was like a tennis ball. It was like they would walk past it with their propeller tail and just knock them flying everywhere. But it's again, it. And I think this is a fascinating thing for me of. The human part of me is almost fighting that arrogance, and it's 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 November as as we're currently talking, talking about Christmas irks me already.
0: But, well, I'm sorry, but this is
1: technically know, coming out like in December, so it's I know Christmas it is. I know today. it is, but it's that bit of thinking I'm going to have a a tree in our house of some description, whether it's real or artificial or whatever it's going to be, but it's like having to. Plan the decoration of that tree around my dog. There's an egotistical part of me that gets very irate about that, and gets very "Why should I? It's my tree. It's my house." And blah 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 blah. And I think the f- that is probably the biggest battle I think any puppy, young dog owner, ha- kind of parent has because that is instantly the cause of friction. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually. Yeah, kind of doing the woosah bit now and accepting it now of if I only have a half decorated tree I've got a half decorated tree um, I've got
0: an image of you having like a little tiny two foot that's like on a six foot pedestal in the
1: corner for Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: with literally a fairy and a couple of baubles
1: it's I, 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 I don't get me wrong I can be a bit bar humbug at times I don't even think I could cope with that but it's it but it is and I think that's that's the difficulty of how do I give my dog exposure to that change in the environment where we move furniture and then suddenly there's a big green thing in the corner that's very chewable and edible. It's got lots of fancy things on it that are retrievable and chewable and <laughs> definitely not edible. Um,
0: and do you it, have a real tree or a fake tree?
1: We tend to alternate. So right. um, year before last we had a real. Last year we had, with COVID still going on and everything, our local kind of Christmas tree farm wasn't open so we had our artificial one back out. Um I'm fairly agnostic. I like a real tree, but I think the idea of them and the look of them are never the same. That, that oh really
0: massively, different. massively. I'm I'm fake tree all day long. We have one that is fake and it's pre-lit and it spins around and job done. Is it pink? No.
1: I'm surprised. Um, do
0: you honestly think Dale would have let me have a pink christmas tree i think
1: he'd give you a pink christmas tree just to shoot you off
0: no out. because quote i still have to look at the thing so
1: that's why no. Dale is my hero there, it's, there. Uh, <laughs> but no it and, and i think that's kind of the funny thing isn't it because it, it is really and, and this is me as an adult with with my wife it's like if i had kids i couldn't imagine the conflict that you must go through as a parent around trying to give your kids an amazing christmas experience yet potentially have a four-legged little devil that just wants to ruin it at every opportunity Mm -hmm. from your perspective and again i think this is where it's really hard for a lot of people and a lot of families to do that balance and to manage it and as you say a plan for it because it's I can't imagine, and I certainly know with the clients I speak to, there's not many people who are thinking, oh crap, I've got a young dog, a young family, and I'm about to put a massive novelty item in the middle of the room that the two legged little members of the family are going to get all excited about and love and respect and not play around with it and not, you know, chew on it and drag it down, potentially if they're, you know, apparently trained and stuff. And I've got a four-legged one that's going to do the exact opposite. It's just going to think, oh, my God, I've got a giant new toy to play with and want to hang off the branches and pull things off it and chew on tinsel and all that kind of stuff. And, again, with a little bit of species biased, I think, your desire to fulfill the kid's desire, the human desire, of their amazing Christmas experience is probably going to trump the reality of the culture shock that you've delivered to your puppy Mm -hmm. and again you're going to be just ravaged with frustration and irritants and all these kind of things and I I think for a lot of us that's the bit we forget you know this is going to be Axel's first Christmas and already we're we're already talking about how many decks do we put out like how do we do it you know we'll do the thing of we'll put the tree up bare first and let's gauge it you know let's see what happens and when we're not around Let's fence it off so we can't get to it. Yeah. You know, and it feels like overkill, but it's not because it, we, we want to win. We want him to succeed. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spend 15 plus years of my life thinking, oh, God, it's Christmas. Every time we put the tree up, little Mr. Retriever there is going to run over and start pulling all the baubles off, bringing them to me, thinking he's the best dog in the world because mm-hmm. that's a 15 year pain in my backside. Whereas um, actually a little bit of sacrifice now can go a long way for the future.
0: Well, exactly that. And I mean, even just sort of with us chatting now, I'm looking, I'm like, so where the tree goes is exactly where one of the dog beds is. Yeah. So straight away, in fact, two dog beds are going to have to be moved because the size of the tree, it's going to knock one of the other dog beds. So that means that thing got to be moved. Now, to be fair, in my eye line currently, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven dog beds and a sofa, sorry, eight dog beds and a sofa. How
1: many there dogs are have only, we got? only
0: four dogs in the house um as I say currently uh, but that's all stuff that has to be considered. you know, where are we going to move the beds to? what beds they, because to be fair, there are three beds that there's two beds that never get used and I probably should dispense of them because we don't need them. Then there's two that are sort of used sometimes that could be moved. And then there's the rest like get used all the time. So then it's like, right. So the ones that are used all the time, we will leave where they are. But the other thing, and actually I'm thinking we might need to potentially put a little fortress around the tree this year because Dodge has just gone from sleeping in the living room in his pen with the girls to sleep in the kitchen loose.
1: Oh, he's like a proper grown-up boy he's now. He's
0: like a real boy now. Um, oh. it's only because um I'm gonna digress slightly here. Um, I got him a crate because being a wonderful German Shepherd, um, his pen is ginormous and it's one of the big high side lights, got the four-foot panels, and it's what he's had since puppy. And it's basically four foot by six foot, I think. So oh, it, it takes up quite a bit of space. So I was like, right, we need to downgrade. Felt a bit mean making that smaller. And I was like, actually, the other problem we have is in the mornings when you come downstairs, he's pinging vertically. <laughs> Which, considering he has bilateral hip dysplasia, is probably not the best thing for that's him to be true. doing. Definitely not. So I was like, right, he's going to need to start sleeping in a crate because then he can't ping. It's better for his hips. Also, it's going to take up less room. So I came home with one of, you know, the big airline crates.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Excuse language listeners, you're used to it by now. Quote my husband, why the fuck is there a massive lump of plastic in the house?
1: <laughs> yeah. Because... They're not the prettiest of things, I won't lie, but they're great size, but they're not the prettiest. Well, you
0: know, like the cute little like carriage you put like a cat in? Yeah, yeah. It's a dodge size version. (laughs) Pretty hefty. But Munchkin has commandeered it for herself because she's actually happier (laughs) in there when there are fireworks than she is in her normal metal crate. Because I think it's giving her a bit more soundproofing. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Munch is now in the big airline crate. Munch's crate doesn't fit Dodge. So that's been collapsed. The chihuahua's been shuffled around a bit. And then I was like, well, where's Dodge going to go? So we were like, well, we'll try them in the kitchen. And the living room, you can shut off completely. The kitchen is open plan then to the den and the dining room area. So the tree traditionally goes in the kitchen type area because that's where we spend most of the time. So it's like a tree there. But then I'm thinking, so Dodge is going to be unattended with the tree.
1: Big stick. Big stick.
0: (laughs) We have a lot of wooden decorations on the tree. So although the tree is not wooden, there are wooden elements on the tree. So I'm actually thinking that that lovely playpen that I've actually got, I use it at competition to stop people going too close to the van when he's in it. Yeah, yeah. little, Little safety barrier health and safety see so put up, put up a little pen People don't walk close to the van job done but i'm thinking that that might have to not during the day but probably at night or when we're not around it's we're gonna have to it, put, it, put it, a little bit of the,
1: supervision thing isn't it and it's yeah and, and again i think this is where that human versus dog brain thing is so different because for us it makes perfect sense it's christmas we're gonna move shit around we're gonna put a tree up we're gonna and it we do it quite nonchalantly because it's very obvious to us of why we're doing it. But again, Betty's bed is literally right next to where the tree goes. And there's a chair in that position at the moment. And it's, she goes from sleeping next to a chair for 340 odd days of the year, pretty much. to then suddenly sleeping next to a big tree that lights up and has things dangling over her bed. And it's like, even at what, she's nine, nine now, nine and a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. That that's still a culture shock for her. Like, yeah. I, 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 it's very easy to forget that it is that because she lives her life in blissful comfort for predictability for so long, and then all of a sudden, randomly, the two-legged folk in the house just change shit up for a couple of weeks just for the fun of it. And it's, and it's so easy to forget that from the human perspective. And I yeah. think that's where it gets really, really difficult and more frustrating, more than often than not for for a lot of people. of forgetting how much of a change that is for people it's i was yeah. talking to a to a good friend of mine the other day um she's got quite a a sensitive rescue dog mm-hmm. and they went on holiday and they were staying at a dog friendly b&b and the dog was getting a little bit barky at some of the other people in the b&b when they came down the stairs and mm-hmm. she was talking about obviously the interaction between her and her partner around the dog's behavior and i'm like that dog Again, it lives in its own house and it's everything's predictable and it's routine and it understands where everything is. And suddenly you've just picked it up, shot it in a box with four wheels, drove 150 miles, put it in a new lot of four walls where there's random people walking around and the dog's like, what the f- is going on? Mm-hmm. And, it, and even if you only do that twice a year, it's for us, again, it's routine enough, but for your dog, it, it's not. And it, it's so difficult as a human to almost check yourself about some of those thoughts and some of those mm-hmm. patterns. And when it like you say when it comes to christmas it's so many things change your routines will change because some people will have different work routines over christmas period the house layout changes decoration change music changes the amount of visitors changes the smells of cooking changes yeah there's suddenly ponciettes and Piss and raisins and all sorts of crap that suddenly adorned tables that were never there for the other 300 and odd days of the year. And for us, it it's Christmas for your dog. It's just like bedlam, it's crazy. Trigger stack him, yeah, it absolutely is. And it's just, it's often overwhelming. And some, some dogs love it and, and will thrive in it. Some dogs are just a little bit confused by it. Some mm-hmm. dogs are terrified by it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really hard and it's really difficult to con- consistently kind of check yourself with that and, and yeah ensure that you're having your dog's thoughts in mind and it's and, and again personally for me it's like I say it's the it's, now as we're talking it's already conversations me and the missus are having around how do we prep for Axel's first Christmas and yeah. our entire conversations are based around how do we make it a enjoyable experience for the puppy and like I say we don't have the the dilemma of, of little humans running around. And if we did, would Axel's priorities be at the top of our agenda? I don't know if there would be, if I'm honest. It's really, yeah. really hard. And it's and I think that's the bit for me. If if anyone listening to this is gonna have any kind of Christmas advice, it's just remember the dog and just remember it from their perspective and just try and have a bit of forethought, try and kind of gradually build into it. Don't just have that. Like we do in our house that weekend where Boobley hits the fucking speaker and we all like decorate the house and Greg thinks he can sing. You know, it's to go on your friends, it's not a thing. <laughs> it's it, it is a big culture shock and it and for many, and particularly the young dogs where it's their first year or two dealing with that, it's having a bit of planning for them will mm-hmm. serve you so much better if you can do it and if you can just have that little bit of a awareness more than anything else and then you can modify your plans accordingly definitely
0: yeah no definitely and I think as well um like again it's not wanting to sound humbuggy but putting little things in in place putting some little bits of management in place can actually make the whole thing less stressful for all of us because if you've kind of gone right okay puppy's likely to fuck up the tree We put a pen around the bottom of the tree. Might not look the prettiest thing. I mean, you could put some tints around it. It's probably going to encourage puppy to go near it even more. Probably (laughs)
1: probably
0: not. Can't even put fairy lights around it. Again, Bastard puppy's going to meet the fairy lights.
1: That's where you get two pens and you have the one inside that's decorated nicely and the one on the outside that isn't (laughs) to protect the pen from the pen from the tree.
0: Oh my God. It's now turning into Azkaban and like they just can't (laughs) escape ever. But I think that it what you're saying makes sense of doing things gradually because I do. I'm one of those, like, I have the day where the tree comes down, the tree is put up, the decorations come out, and Dale normally comes back in and goes, so Christmas threw up then? (laughs) As there's as much... How does he get out of it?
1: I need that tip.
0: I am so... Fussy about where oh, yeah. Helen's really could fussy. Go. I, I
1: I have to be the carrier and the passer of things on that day. <laughs> I haven't got out of that job yet.
0: Well, hang on. I feel like I'm doing something wrong now.
1: I have to take everything out of the loft, bring it downstairs, open all the boxes, and then pass things on cue, like a <laughs> well-trained puppy, to the person who makes everything look pretty and pristine. Um, and have and I, I have to be very jolly about it as well. You know, Obviously,
0: because it's Christmas
1: come Christmas you've got to be jolly about it <laughs>
0: um shit how did how did Dale manage to get out of that? I don't know. I'll ask him to send you please do with the tips. Tips. send
1: the tips my way I need I need a bit of
0: I mean, to be fair, he does tend to bring the box down, although I can't because the tree's in three parts, so I can assemble the tree and get it, and there's no lights to prat around with because they're already on it. Also, Um, it
1: doesn't have to do the teapot pause like I do. No. lights. No, because they're already on it. That's my other job as well, yeah.
0: Although he did make a suggestion that maybe we might get a new tree and maybe it won't be pre-lit and then there are going to be lights to deal with, in which case I'm definitely going to need adult supervision and he's going to have to come and help me.
1: Um, Just tell him to rethink that idea. But...
0: Well no, because we went to Constant the other day and there was a really pretty one that had like snow on it and little pine cones and it looked really
1: pretty. Her, I say <laughs> Helen's tree, it's not my tree. She she bought it before we got together. It is a very expensive and every single branch is individual on this artificial tree. So uh-huh. I have to pass her every branch, which I have to unfold for her, then pass her the branch, and then she puts on the tree stem. Dude! Vanessa's up right I'm it, not gonna lie it sounds freaking emotional <laughs> it, it, it's it's a serious tree I mean, don't get it wrong it looks magnificent but I can't say it's an enjoyable Christmas festive spirit job that I have of branch passing and right, can I open. just
0: ask? does Helen listen to the podcast
1: no thankfully she's not a fan of podcasts so <laughs> uh quids in so
0: so what you're is if if ever I need to, like, I've now got something on you forevermore and I can use it for blackmail
1: in future. I'm sure I can now uh, dig some retallery stuff up if I need to.
0: Uh, yeah, probably. I should shut up on that one, really, shouldn't I? I'll just back down off that one. But we'll go back to Christmas and dogs. Um, I think as well, it's, yeah, it's also that kind of... It can be a bit harder for the dogs, like, in general, with going out, going to the park and stuff, because especially Christmas morning, all of a sudden everyone has to walk the dog on Christmas morning.
1: It's such a festive thing to do, isn't it?
0: Don't walk the dogs on Christmas morning. Let's have... And the thing is, as well, for the dogs, not only are they going to the park and potentially seeing lots of dogs that they might normally see just because it's a different time or just because different dogs have come to the area... But also, those people are generally with a lot more people as well.
1: So, if I'm you do up. have a dog, that the amount of dogs I see on Christmas Day that are adorning regalia that Outfit. they're never adorned. I'm not
0: going to lie; all my little ones do have little Christmas jumpies. But,
1: but, but again, it, it's that thing, isn't it? It's it humanly, it's cute and it's fun and it's out, but. For a lot of dogs, it's like all of a sudden they've spent 364 days of the year and then all of a sudden there's one day they wake up, the house is bedlam, somebody shoves a jumper on them and then they're out the door at 7 o'clock in the morning when they've never done that in their life so far. Yeah. And it, it it's that massive change and then yes. they wonder why the dog's a little bit wired or a little bit anxious or a little bit whatever it might be and it's it, it, again, we kind of wrap them into our world very quickly without a lot of thought of what it is to the dog and it's like if you want to dress your dogs up you know on prerogative but build up to it like help your dog learn how to wear that particular garment or outfit you know and... what
0: one of my chihuahuas hates hates wearing clothes do you know how frustrating that is as a chihuahua person okay i, I just I'm felt fully the brood like...
1: stereotype you are
0: a little bit. So, Her Royal Highness Princess Shika will happily wear a little jumpies and stuff. Minx is like, if this thing's not practical, I'm not wearing it. It's... I feel that like she takes after Dell in this. Like, if it ain't practical, I'm not wearing it.
1: It's not waterproof. What's the point? It's. But is again, it? you know, antlerias, hats, and I've been there and done it. You know, we, you, everyone wants to keep four of the dog in a Santa hat or antlerias or whatever it might be, but it's. I see a lot of those from friends and family where I'm looking at the photo and going, "That dog's never had that thing on its head before," and all of a sudden you've literally just clamped at your dog's head and tried to take a photo, and the dog's looking, quite honestly, terrified of I what's mean, happened, and it's.
0: Well, Dodge's birthday, he had his little age three hat on his head. That that did take a little bit of treats and coaxing and he was a bit like oh now what are we doing mother because obviously i do ridiculous things with him all the time you know last halloween he dressed up as a ghost and had a sheet on him
1: and but but again back to that kind of gradual introduction and there's an Mm -hmm. element of consistency in that all right it might not be every week but no but i generally do stupid things with dogs I, i didn't want to say that but it's uh but yeah it's look everyone has
0: seen my insta feed everyone has seen tiktok we all know i do ridiculous things. but,
1: but again it's, it's that thing is it it's it's that gradual build-up and it's yeah. and it's so easy to forget it and, I, and again it it's not about blame or kind of bad dog parenting or anything like that it's just a lot of people will just get caught up in the festive moment and want their dog to be a part of it and just kind of forget how much of a shock that is to, to their mm-hmm. dog when when they do it, especially like say those young pups and adolescent dogs. It's it's a lot to process. And yeah. it's um and I think, yeah, back to kind of a bit of advice for anyone is prepare, build, you know, kind of gradually integrate your dog into that kind of thing. So it's it's not so much of a big bang approach because for a lot of dogs that is just a bit too much and it can be very difficult to to deal with a backlash of that, mm-hmm. um, if if your dog really is a bit more nervous or worried or timid or even grumpy about it, you know, yeah. Boo Boo does not like being dressed up. Boo really obviously like it's ridiculous.
0: Why would you do such thing to the poor princess?
1: Exactly, and it's. Yeah, I think it's adorable when she's wearing cute little outfits. She, however, does not think it's adorable when I try to make her wear nice outfits, and it's, and then there's a bit of a battle of wills there of okay, do I continue to do this because I want the cute Instagram photo? Or do I look at her and go, sorry, sweetheart, you're really not enjoying this. Do you know what? I know it cost me 30 quid to buy you the pretty outfit, but I'm just going to have to bin it or give it to somebody else because you're just not loving Uh, it. And and that's really, really hard, isn't it? It's really, really difficult because, and without getting too preachy on a high horse here, we want those Christmas memories. We want the pictures. We want the bits so that we can share with friends and family of, look how adorable my dog is as Santa or an elf or whatever it is that you've decided to dress them up as. And it's if that is at the detriment to your dog's enjoyment at that particular period in time, then
0: mm-hmm.
1: that for me ain't good. It's, it's not going to work for your dog. And you're going to have worse experiences in the future as that goes on. Yeah. Whereas like... A lot of us, I want Christmas to be an amazing event. I want my dogs to enjoy it, you know. But even silly things, when we had the cavies, we used to, like a lot of people will do, we buy our dogs lots of presents, more presents than I buy my wife. (laughs) But it's, we we very quickly learned about how do we even present those presents out? How, where do we put them? When do they come out? How do I? We were multi dog household, so how do we deliver those presents to multiple yes. dogs without causing carnage? Yep, um, and, and fully our little Lucy, our little Cavi, she is was the most placid, beautiful, timid little girl. But if you put biscuits under that tree wrapped up, she would guard that tree like a motherfucker. <laughs> Mm -hmm. from anyone and everyone especially if you had four legs you were not allowed to go anywhere near that tree
0: so little top tip for the peoples if you do have a new dog even if you have a dog and people are bringing presents to your house just really politely is there anything edible in here is it chocolates yeah you're not being nosy you're not trying to find out how much they've spent on you it's literally just a health and safety thing because in this house if there was anything chocolate Chica's gonna end up in the vets again, guaranteed, because that's just what Chicas is do.
1: Boo's the same. She she is a chocolate fiend. At her mm. house prior to coming to us, I'm I'm fairly convinced she she got access to chocolate deliberately or not, because if you've got chocolate, oh she's there,
0: mm-hmm. she's
1: right in front of you, regardless of how bad it is for her. Yeah, and and she will sniff that stuff out, and so again, what goes under the tree? And look at Axel, like. Anything that's under that tree, if he's got access to it, regardless even if it's edible, he's going to be picking it up. He's going to be trying to drag it into the house. If mm-hmm. he realises he can shred it, oh, my goodness, everything will be unwrapped. You so know, that's
0: going to be the question. Out. Are you going to wrap his presents this year and let him unwrap them or are you just going to deliver <laughs> his presents? So
1: back to the selfish human love of my Christmas, I will absolutely be wrapping them and filming him and wrapping them because
0: that is one of my big kicks at
1: Christmas. I absolutely love it. I love watching my dog's open presents. Um, My Lando and Hugo were brilliant at it. Betty learned from Hugo, which is lovely. Axel, I'm really interested to see what he does. When he's when he's permitted and given something to say, I'm going to laugh so much I if he up.
0: just parades around with the present in his mouth. And does I think that's it. exactly what he'll do. He'll he will take it do. off
1: me, and then run I am around. retriever.
0: I yeah. must carry,
1: and then wait for the drop, and then it'll be interesting. But no, obviously,
0: well, all my guys got taught by a terrier that was it must destroy, and that's what happened. And then Munch also agrees with must destroy. Chica minks are also in that must destroy category. Um, Dodge is actually pretty kind of. It's a bit more delicate with things, actually. Don't the, wrong,
1: like,
0: the grab bite is there. All but right, then, okay. Like, I've oh, done that bit. Whereas the girls like the shredding bit, and that so, happens. So, so
1: Hugo was all front teeth. He would kind of just do his do little, little nibsins,
0: pull nibbles. a little
1: bit off, and then tear strips off. Or pull the whole bit of packaging off if he could, yeah, or the wrapping off, um, and that was it. So, yeah, it's it, it's going to be I, again. We've we've only got the dogs in the house, so the, the dogs' Christmas presents is an event and it's an occasion, and yeah, it will it be what it is. And to be fair, even if we had more than just the dogs, I'd like to think that would still be the case. But again, it's it's two dogs and treats and toys that are going to be unwrapped. So, yeah how we tag team that as, you know, as a couple with our dogs is going to be really important. And I I don't have any frame of reference. I've never had to do this with Axel yet. So do I do two together? Do I do them one each, one at a time? Do I separate them and have one in the room and then the other in the room? Honestly, I don't know. And I probably won't know till the day. And I'm kind of having to do a little bit of that active supervision at the time and go... Oh right, this is not comfortable for one or both of the dogs. Yeah. Then we're going to have to change tact. And again, that feels like a little bit of a mood hoover of the day in the event, but it means success. And if I yes. can get to success now, yeah, I'm teeing up myself up for the next twelve, hopefully fifteen plus years of of life with 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 kind of Axel and obviously a little bit less with Boo. But it's that for me is more important than that small instant moment of. His first Christmas, which yeah, is is a very hard thing to rationalize in my brain. Yeah, yeah, is the right thing in my head to rationalize in my brain because that's what I want. I want him to be able to enjoy the experience. I want Boo to enjoy the experience. I want us to enjoy the experience. I don't want two dogs ripping open toys and then having a bit of handbags over who got what and what's edible and what's yeah. not edible. And and so again, planning, right back to what you mentioned at the start of this podcast for me is. Is kind of part of that and it's something I have to think about and it's yeah what, you know what do I buy them what is edible what's not edible I I do a lot of the same so if if I spot something I'll buy two of them so they both yeah, the same yeah, thing. yeah so again just to try and avoid any of those elements and it's that for me is is really kind of part of that if I can plan Christmas and again for example we're, we're looking to go to my mother-in-law's for Christmas Mm -hmm. Axel's never been there yet he's seven and a half months old, he's never been Mm -hmm. so I now have the quandary of he's probably not going to get there pre that day Mm -hmm. so his first Christmas is going to be in a brand new house in a different part of the country, even further north than than I currently have further
0: north than what you are? even further north than
1: Married and
0: Wait, careful, that's like wildling country it's
1: almost Scotland (laughs) it's um But yeah, so I'm like, that that in itself is going to be a massive culture shock. Before start throwing presents at him and all that kind of stuff, it's there's a lot of things that he's going to have to deal with. Even my mother-in-law and I'm trying to think. I don't think she's met him. I know. Tell me why. But (gasps) I don't think she has. So his first Christmas is potentially going to be in a new house with a strange lady. That's no way to talk about your (laughs) mother-in-law. (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, dealing with a new routine and everything else and some of that might work to my advantage, some of it might not but again yeah. it's something I absolutely have to plan and prepare for because the poor kid might have a meltdown Well, you know, I'm throwing too much at him all at once and he might have a really bad time of it so I need to also plan my contingency of what if what if he doesn't enjoy the house what if he doesn't enjoy this, what if he doesn't enjoy that and that's part my of My
0: recommendation plan. would be Get a bit of that placid herbs and start him about a week before on a little bit of placid. Just see if he will just help. Just
1: he's already on it.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, there we go. You're already on the placid. You've got it already. So brought him in. it's in what we left. refer to as a big scoop day. <laughs>
1: yeah, it definitely. will be a. To be fair, I might take some with the mother-in-law. It's uh...
0: oh, careful. So going back to toys, my guys, I've actually already done their Christmas shop because I'm organised and <gasps> don't walked into garden centre, there was a wall of Christmas dog toys, and Dale just looked and went, go on. (laughs) (laughs) He he knew what was going to happen. So Munch and Dodge have similar, they're not exactly the same, one has a Santa version, one has a reindeer version, um, but they kind of switch toys around anyway, which is fine. The problem we have is finding chihuahua appropriate toys that are also not going to be swallowed by said shepherd. Yes. So, Chica has this... I think it's meant to be a reindeer, but it reminds me of, like, a little gizmo. Like, it Oh, my God, I'll send you a picture. A little
1: kind of thing going on.
0: Oh, my God, it is the cutest little thing. And I've just got images of little Chica running around with this little thing in her mouth, and it's, like, actually going to make my heart hurt, because it's going to be, like, the cutest thing in the century. Um, Minx has got a toy that's kind of... If the others get a hold of it, it's not disaster. And then... The the big ones have got the Kong wobbers, but there's a Santa one and a reindeer one, which basically I picked everything that didn't have any freaking stuffing in it because I cannot be bothered to spend the whole of Christmas Day picking up the ah. innards of the teddy bears that have just exploded.
1: See, I'm the exact opposite. So I usually go to a charity shop, find mm-hmm. all the stuffed toys that don't have those horrible beads in, wrap all them up, and Christmas is full. Have Shred you never watched to Toy Story, you monster? It's alright. You know, they've got to go somewhere.
0: You're like Sid, aren't you? You're the kid from next door that like messes up. You, you've you got Sid's dog. That's what happens. Um, are you, the are other you where, thing... To,
1: total deviation, sorry. But are you aware of the hooker thing in Toy Story? What? Have you never seen this?
0: Hang on a minute.
1: So you know Sid's toys they're yeah. all mashes of various different toys. Yes. There is the fishing hook with the yes. long legs and the stilettos. Yes. yes. It's a hooker. <laughs> there you no, go. No. I feel listed. like you've
0: just stolen my Christmas innocence.
1: There you go. So, yeah, next time you watch watching it, toy story.
0: Remember, Mamadre listens, leave the other thing I am just gonna mention about Christmas Day that is a real thing that is really overlooked is good old Christmas crackers. Yes. We can't have them in our house. No. Nope. Munch literally hits the deck, goes and hides. Doesn't oh, matter if she's not in the room. We or if we do, we have to take the bangs out. Munch yeah, yeah. cannot cope with the bang of the Christmas crackers.
1: But again, it's, it's a lovely thing to, to be mindful of and not just to force upon her for your own... So
0: it amusement. may be that with your boy just feeling a little bit more sound-sensitive this year, just be aware that you may want to take the pop out of the crackers. Good thinking. And Good you thinking. can take them out, guys. If you literally just gently untwist it, you can wiggle the bit out. And to be honest, just tell the kids you've got quiet ones because it made more room for the toys. See, like, I've even given you like a get out of jail free card with the spaghettis.
1: You, you can even do that thing of you've got to make the bang. Yeah, because again, generally voices are not as voices going so back as... it doesn't yeah.
0: really do the same thing, you know. It's that um, hard. No. So yeah. yeah, that was just a little tip for the listeners, but also you, because that's something that, to be honest, we didn't even think would be an issue because she's generally all right with gunshot and things like that. But crackers were they
1: are again, not. You, you think about that time frame of, and again, fireworks for us started about a week. I before actually think it's Guy the Fawkes. scent. Yeah, of yeah, again, yeah, you've got it
0: because it's a tiny bit of gunpowder.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you've got all that time frame. You've got all of just literally what less than eight weeks prior to all oh, of around the here. They thing.
0: started before Halloween. So we had Diwali, Halloween. The night, then the following weekend, remember. But everybody's just using
1: everything up. Yeah. I
0: mm, don't. That's my biggest bugbear is people letting off fireworks on remembrance weekend. I think it's freaking disrespectful. And if you're doing it, please think about our veterans because you're being a dick. Anyway, um, then you're gonna have Christmas as well. Potentially Christmas Eve, you could have had fireworks because that happens quite often.
1: There's there's people around me who celebrate Thanksgiving who aren't american or canadian <coughs> they i think they just do it again for a good excuse to set off fireworks and eat a lot of food
0: they understand that um native americans are not part of our culture and um <laughs> turkey day isn't a thing here
1: yeah well again you know we are slowly being americanized aren't we they're I'd probably say, the but...
0: same ones that celebrate 4th of july right
1: yeah yeah that, that, to be fair i think to be for those who don't know me, I, I live in a town called Darlington. And to be fair, any excuse to let off pyrotechnics, they'll will absolutely take oh, okay. it. So it's, uh, but yeah, it's um it is. It, it, and I think that's again, it's it's something very easy to overlook of just how in quick succession, depending on where you are in a country, you can have lots of a variety of celebrations taking place and a lot mm-hmm. of events happening in your dog's life that just build and build and build, and Christmas and New Year's just can be the the worst icing and cherry on the cake. Yeah, 100%. it could also be the best. And and again, I don't want to suck the mood out of all of it. It's just being prepared and thinking and having that forethought yeah. is is not and sucking also, the fun out of the event.
0: Have some really 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 good high value treats at the event. So if something does happen. You've got no. something really, really yummy. You, you can go, I know that noise was really scary, but look, you have something yumsy. Remember, Absolutely. don't yeah, give yeah. them any bones or anything with raisins in or anything like that. But a little bit of turkey can quite often solve these issues. Um, I'm going to move on from the festive season quickly before we finish the episode, Um, because you've also done another thing. You, you've done a thing. Um uh-huh. it's a very big thing, and it's the other reason why the Dog Training Dictionary podcast has been completely neglected by Greg uh, the Northerner.
1: It certainly has, yeah. I um, what did
0: you do? What's the thing?
1: But so for those who, who don't know me, I did I was very privileged to have a, a dog training venue, um, which was quite a rural venue. It was a barn and a bit of an outdoor paddock and that kind of stuff, which was amazing. And then
0: And you had really cool cats that helped with the training.
1: I had cats that carry encouraged into the building that made training <laughs> interesting. Um, in my defense, they were already there. They were there, but they weren't inside the building till you taught them hoopers. But anyway, moving <laughs> on. Um and then I, I, well, I did that just thing. how
0: cool was it that I taught cats how to do hoopers?
1: Just say. Literally within two days, it, it was quite impressive, but I'm not gonna give you that one. Um
0: kind just did. So
1: I, I I decided in my wisdom that Obviously the cost of venues and everything with the way the world was wasn't probably the best thing to do. Decided to go back to being a remote kind of dog trainer. And then decided that an opportunity came about that was too good to miss. And I opened my lifelong dream of what I call the day train academy. So I have a a new venue in my hometown, which is rather expansive and it allows me to invite basically the dogs of the world who are often excluded from a lot of pet care services in to spend the day with me having a bit of fun and a bit of training and a safe space to be and enjoy the world pretty much modeled on betty really so betty boo when she joined me we couldn't do anything with her because of her her kind of social issues shepherdness yeah yeah (laughs) um so yeah so now i have a I have Great Paws 2.0, I've got a new training venue, the Dre Train Academy, which means I, I have eight dogs with me every day, and I spend, kind of on a rotation basis, lots of time training, having fun, doing enrichment, physical exercise, wellness, all that kind of stuff, um, which I absolutely love, it's been an absolutely amazing adventure, and thankfully it's been really popular, but to the detriment of DTD means I've basically had my brain fuzzled since August when I when I took this venture on and built the place and decorated it and did all that good stuff and then opened in um, October and yeah it, it's it's pretty pretty mental but it is amazing fun. So
0: are you doing classes as well?
1: Yeah, so um, I do. So between the hours of eight and six is when the day train academy happens. Um, currently on Monday and Tuesday nights, a fantastic colleague of mine uh, Natalie from Tees Valley Doctrine, Training does Hoopers classes um, I, I won't lie I'd love to do them myself but I have zero energy so Natalie who is also a fantastic level 2 instructor comes along and, and does those classes in the venue Wednesday nights Thursday nights I do Wednesday nights do my own classes mm-hmm. Thursday nights I partner with another local business and do classes for them Friday night are my scent nights, and then Saturdays and Sundays are a combination of other classes and one-to-one work. So it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty full on seven days a week. But
0: so you know, the first thing I'm going to say to you about this plan,
1: something about time and life and off. balance, and what day off? What's that saying? You sleep when you're dead. <laughs> It's, uh, it'll be fine.
0: Do, no, this this is a message to all pet professionals listening. You are allowed one day off a week. C- can you repeat that sentence? I am allowed.
1: Apparently, I am allowed.
0: <laughs> no, there's no apparently, there's no allegedly. There, this is not hearsay.
1: <laughs> we'll there is no we'll objection hearsay. Weekend.
0: Make sure that you are having at least one day a week off, please, because I don't want you running out of sparkle and going beige on me.
1: For those who can't see in the podcast, that was a, a very firm salute to my uh, yeah,
0: you just cared, yes, exactly. Um, no, I'm saying it from I, I am being serious, but I'm saying it from from a it, perspective. It, it's so true, from,
1: though, because I, I someone think it's that massively, has nearly
0: lost all of her sparkle previously. Please,
1: it is. It's it's so. And I think there's. I think one thing that is massively overlooked again, generally in our industry, is a lot of people who do love the welfare of dogs and want to support people with their training and with their enrichment and generally their life with their dog. We do for those who are ethically minded in terms of the dog's welfare we we do pour our heart and soul into it and as a result a lot of us across the industry like people in veterinary care and things like that are prone to massive physical and emotional burnout and Mm -hmm. it's, it's a genuine concern for a lot of us and it's it's a very hard balance of being able to run a successful business and you know deliver a quality service you know keep a roof over your head and manage a you know emotional and physical well-being balance with 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 work life and so hear your loud and clean dear, and it, it will come it will come i promise it also means we can record more dtd which i'm excited for
0: yeah but we're not doing that on your day off <laughs> i'm just no, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs>
1: not, work. no. not working not it...
0: working it's it is, dude, if you're talking dogs, it's work. Oh my god, I can't believe I just said that sentence. That basically means I work seven days a week as well, but okay. Um no, I'm I just think it's so cool what you're what you're building, and I think it's it's a very interesting concept because there are lots of daycares around, and as I've discussed in previous episodes, not all daycares are created equally. Um, there are some that they start growing and expanding and that's amazing and great, but your daycare is only as good as your staff. And if the staff are not up to date with methods, maybe don't understand body language correctly. You know, also dogs, because again, humans have this expectation that they'll drop their dog off to daycare and they'll have a lovely time and it'll be great my girls used to go to daycare when they were younger and used to have a nice time but it was sporadically it wasn't even a weekly thing it was maybe once twice a month if I was away teaching somewhere or if we were going on a day out or whatever they would go to daycare but for them they could cope with that and that was quite a fun day out and they were all kind of I would say social you know they wouldn't they weren't party animals. They weren't trying yeah. to there and say hi to all the dogs, but they weren't selective either. They would kind of go, all right, that's cool. They were pretty neutral. I cannot imagine putting Dodge into a daycare situation now. He went when he was younger um, and did very well because they were very good daycares that were very selective with the dogs he mixed with, etc. Obviously, with him during lockdown and stuff, adolescence hit and we missed a big chunk of socialising and stuff. So now the thought of sending Dodge to a normal daycare, it's not a thing. It would just be stupid. Like it's going to put him in in a place where he's not going to cope. I'm potentially putting people at risk of him getting stressed and redirecting and it just wouldn't be feasible. But this concept of, he could go to be with a trainer that follows the same ethics as me and he'll be safe and I can go and have a lovely day and he gets to do some training and cool stuff. Dude, freaking genius.
1: Well, like, like you, Betty was my inspiration for it. So when Betty joined us, there was nothing available to me. I couldn't do any form of dog walking group or solo because even though she is small for a shepherd, she's a shepherd. And if she kicked off, very mm-hmm. few people could physically hold on to her because she would spin and she'd lunge and she'd bite and she'd do all the things that ships that do. That good old shepherd data move. Yeah, yeah, that, that kind of grab and roll thing. It's, um, And therefore, you know, so, so dog walking was out of the equation, daycare was definitely out of the equation, kind of people visiting the house at that time again was still kind of out the equation because she was still very people selective. So it was really difficult even for me as a professional, to to manage work and life and her and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So the way I've designed it is I've tried to design it for as if Betty was coming to me from four years ago. Mm -hmm. And then anything above that is a bonus, basically. So it's designed for a dog that the only potential exposure to another dog they will have is sound and smell. Mm Mm-hmm. Initially, there'll be no site. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for those dogs who are maybe more social or socially selective, we can do partnering and we can match and we can find suitable sizes and play styles and that kind of stuff. And those mm-hmm. ones can socialize. That's absolutely fine. But again, that's not the full day. It's only part of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're super social or even frustrated greeter level social, then again, we we kind of moderate it accordingly. So it's... It, interestingly, the bit I've found about it is how many dogs struggle when you try and create the textbook model for them? Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of intermittent sleeping, doing stuff type pattern. And that's been fascinating for me because I've had dogs who've taken to it, like duck to water dogs that have, it's been a bit of a culture shock. And it's such a fascinating learning experience, even as a professional for me of how, how modern dogs are versus how, you know, textbook biologically dogs are meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's, it's, I, I've i absolutely loved it. It's been an amazing experience since we opened. It's been wonderful to kind of go through my own learning experience as well. Cause you know, you design it and you think about it and you plan it and you do all that good stuff. But like getting a puppy, you do all the prep work, then the real the reality happens and you're like, oh, didn't expect that and i didn't think of this and then mm-hmm. you adapt and you overcome and you do that good stuff but it's i absolutely i genuinely absolutely love it it's to a point where i've had betty socializing with more dogs than she's ever socialized with before because i've been able to find the right type of dog the right personality i've had the right consent from the right people mm-hmm. and we've been able to do the right type of introductions and now she can enjoy that play side of her that she's experienced with Axel who has been an absolute godsend for her in that sense mm-hmm. with other dogs so yeah. and and vice versa you know I've got dogs that are overly social that need to learn how to just wind it in a bit dogs yeah yeah <laughs> uh very anxious dogs who don't like people or don't like other dogs you know I always joke in my inductions you know that I need to know if your dog's not comfortable with people and especially overweight ball blocks because <laughs> That that's part of the that's part of their experience. So I yeah building confidence. I've got a wonderful dog who comes in who is a foreign rescue dog whose sign of comfort is cowering in a corner. And within three days of coming to the venue, he's out exploring in of his own accord, and will come and sit within about six foot of me. No, away I... from a wall, away from a corner, he will just sit in open space. And just taking the environment around him. And that for me is like, is it dog training? Not, but as probably a lot of people picture it, but for me, that is 100% the best experience I can give this dog ever Mm -hmm. a strange environment where he can feel safe enough to leave the confines of his little relaxing room. That's just made me go, oh. It it does. It makes your heart happy. It absolutely does. Because like the first day, his, his instinct was, escape Mm -hmm. drag the fat ball bloke around on the lead till i can find a hole to bolt out of and within three days to be i can come and just hang out with the fat ball bloke and it's all right and nothing bad happens and nobody tries to make me do anything and Mm -hmm. nobody invades my space and there's no weird noises or erratic movement or anything like that and things are a little bit more predictable yeah to see his confidence grown to be comfortable with that that for me is an unbelievable win and it's to have a facility that allows me to do that type of training with with a dog like him is yeah that is it's a very special thing for me and i'm incredibly proud of it but it's sadly it's it's come at the detriment of dtd but we'll uh, we'll sort that out
0: dude it's cool it's a podcast it's fine it's you know the listeners have it, had it's things a great no, I know, but they've still been able to listen to my lovely dulcet Tones consistently, so it's fine. I was going to say, um,
1: if it's any consolation, like Wolf and podcasts podcast died of death as well, so it's not like I'm just picking a our podcast. Every podcast I'm a part of is there uh, has been neglected, but it's uh, but we're well, back with Canine Hoopers, so there you go. What what better way to read? and we
0: and DTD will be back properly next year, and that is that is a promise. In fact, okay, talking of New Year and promises. It's a nice little little section to end off on for the year because it seems tis the season and all that. Um, New Year's resolution.
1: Ah, see, you're gonna you're to pin face. me. No, you're gonna pin no. me with this. No, knowing fine well, that I didn't actually complete my last one that we talked about last time. What was what was your one last time? I'm sure last time I think I had one about reading a book every month.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did say something about I'm Regan, fairly sure that. I had
1: something about actually completing the seminars that and conferences that I'd booked on. Oh my god,
0: yes, you did say that. You failed yeah. miserably.
1: Oh absolutely I, I failed by like January the third, I think. I think okay, cool. the great. Um my, my, my new year's resolution is to relaunch dog training dictionary.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. <laughs> um take one that i do and actually i want this done before before in the year because i've only got one segment left um but i've been doing um the legs course with kim brophy and Mm -hmm. i need to get that finished because that is one of the best courses i have done for a long time and lots of little light bulbs went off in my brain cells and yeah um Yeah, I think that I think getting DTD back on the roads is definitely, or back on the airwaves, should I say, is definitely a good resolution that I think we should both, we can both stick to. So let's set ourselves up for success and let's do that.
1: Sounds amazing. I'm all. So it's a
0: thing. It's done. It is a thing. Tick.
1: Will be a thing.
0: (laughs) Right. So Greg, if people um live to the far north of the world um and want help with their dogs or want to know more about this amazing um, academy you've set up, where can they find you?
1: Hey, website is easiest place, so it's good old three W's and a dot. Uh, it's Great Paws, so G-R-E-A-T-P-A-W-S.co.uk, and I'm on most of the socials, including that tickety toppity thing, that you vowed never to join, and have, I've seen you on there,
0: on queen the of TikTok, TikTok now. On well, um, then about the Queen of TikTok. Dodge has got some pretty good videos on TikTok. Um, to be fair, TikTok's meant to be like my business TikTok, and it's at the moment it's just it's dodge. It's not it's
1: just show off Dodge TikTok, isn't it? <laughs> it's uh but no, I yeah, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, great pause, N-E on Facebook and Instagram, and just great mm-hmm. pause on TikTok and Twitter. And again, content may not be the greatest on there at the moment, but yeah, seek me out, find me, come and say hello. And there is the Wolfing Possum podcast somewhere in the realms of podcast land that is not had an episode for a long long time but to be fair my second to last episode was with hannah brannigan and that in itself was worthy of doing it so shameless plug there to my uh my dog training crush but it's uh <laughs> yeah it's uh no it's yeah I, i'm excited for dtd in the new year we've got lots of stuff planned and I'm, uh, I'm i'm looking forward to doing it and thank you very much for having me on carrie because this is actually my first podcast in quite a while um so it's nice to blow off the cobwebs and, and come and join you on this amazing thing and i've absolutely loved your little series the guests have been amazing the topics have been brilliant so thank you very much for uh filling my ears with that joy throughout this year
0: well one of us had to keep talking
1: <laughs> Magic! i couldn't believe it was you either you know imagine that Uh, miracles never christmas miracles never cease to
0: be fair right if you'd said right one of these two is gonna get a bit derailed and a bit distracted and not sort it out and not be consistent i wouldn't have said it was going to be me either so
1: if if one of us had said one of yours is going to keep talking all year long i think we're pretty much on point still so we're all right (laughs) to
0: the listeners i may just have sworn at greg um with the raised middle finger salute on that comment because Becking rude um so guys i am on the tickety-tock thing um canine hoopers world it's mainly dodge but i do show some cool hoopers things and some other stuff um we are on all the socials as well so the facebook the insta at canine hoopers world you can follow at dodge shepherd at mince on the instagram and um because it is the season if y'all feel like um being festive and helping me out with um a little coffee you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash hoopers and that would be amazing because you know some little pennies towards a a cup of cup of char over the winter would be great what? so guys um I think we've got one more episode before Christmas actually lands. Um, but I know people will be busy and doing things. So if you are too busy to listen to the podcast, um I mean what else would you be doing? But if you are over the festive season, um everybody have um happy holidays, seasons, greetings, merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, all that other good stuff, and um happy new year.
1: Have an amazing time. Thank you very much.
0: Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Guys, I can't believe I forgot to do the proper closing because I'm blaming it on Greg. He put me off. So remember, stay safe, be kind, wash your hands thoroughly, keep your dogs on lead around livestock and away from the mince pies, and don't let them lick toads. Take care, guys. Bye. Sorry, www. K9 HoopersWorld.com. K9 Canine Hooper's World now has achievement awards online so anyone anywhere can test their teamwork and get one of our beautiful rosettes. There's even one for puppies. The website will tell you more about that and Hoopers, how to find an instructor. We also offer online training. There are beginners' courses, we offer online training in distance handling, and there are instructor courses for dog trainers. Join us on Facebook. We have a friendly international group. And follow us on Instagram at Canine Hoopers World. Canine Hoopers World, everyone's invited.